Hello, City First Church. I want to take a moment and welcome everyone gathering right now at our Southwest Florida location in Cape Coral. Jen and I love you so much. We are so glad that you are here. Also, our God Behind Bars family at Dixon and Hardy, and even through the app, all of the thousands of people that are watching right now at God Behind Bars, we want to welcome you also. And if you are a part of our State Line location or our Spring Creek location here in the Rockford Land area, we want to say a big hello, as well as everyone watching all over the place. We realize this, that there are people watching from all over the nation and even some places around the world. And and I just want to say, I am glad that you are here today. No matter who you are or where you are, you are in the right place. You are a part of your City First Church family today. Now, I also want to say, for those of you that are watching for the first time, welcome. We are so excited that you are here. And we say this, that we are not just a friendly church, but we are a family church, which means you are now officially adopted into our family. Well, we are finishing a series uh, that we have been calling Who Needs Church, all right? Who Needs Church? Well, in short, the answer to that is you do. Your family does. Your friends do. Your coworkers and your neighbors. But here's the real question that we've been answering. Why do we need church? Well, over the last month, we've learned that church is a place to belong, it is a place to hear God. And last week, Jen talked about that it is a place to build your life. Well, this week, I want to talk about the church is the place to remember your God-given calling. Your God-given calling. You know, 2020, as we've been talking about, has been crazy. It's been unpredictable. It reminds me of the first two sentences of a book that I read back in high school, and you probably read it too, called The Tale of Two Cities. In fact, it opens like this. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. I mean, how many of you could say a big amen to that, right? Most people that I talk to, they say, it's been crazy. It's been abnormal. It's been the worst of times. But also, God has been working something in his followers that has been really good during this season. In fact, I talked to person after person after person in the season who say to me that, you know what, it's been crazy and chaotic and unpredictable, but God has been doing something significant in their lives, in their families, and in their friendships. And it reminds me of that verse that we've been talking about pretty much for the last seven months, Romans 8.28. Many of you already have it memorized. And we know that God causes everything meaning even 2020, to work together for the good of those who love God. Now, we usually stop there. When we're quoting that verse, that's where we usually stop. But there's another part to that verse. It's a second part, and it goes like this. And are called according to his purpose for them. Who are called. In other words, God doesn't make everything turn around for good for everybody, but only those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. In other words, if you want circumstances to turn around for good, then you must be called according to God's purpose. So here's the thing. When you hear the word called, what do you think? Well, I usually think this. I usually think of my my cell phone. 
I think of, of, of my iPhone, and that it's that little, little device that is many times in my back pocket that incessantly dings and rings and bothers me, all right? So many of you right now might be thinking, well, God wants to call me. Does that mean that he wants to bother me? Does that mean he wants to interrupt me? Well, no, that's not what I'm talking about today. Although, trust me, God is God, and he will many times bother us in a good way, or he can interrupt us in a good way. But when God calls you, he basically is trying to do this. He's trying to get you to realize that he has something to tell you that is profoundly going to influence your life. And until you listen to God's call, until you understand his purpose, life tends to feel really empty. So let's go back to that verse for a moment. That those that are called according to his purpose, calling and purpose, walk hand in hand. The Greek word for calling in the Bible is kaleo. Kaleo is used over a hundred times in the New Testament. In other words, the New Testament talks about a Christian or a Christ follower's calling. It is used ten times more than the word purpose. So Listen to me. We always talk about purpose, right? We're always talking about, well, I, I need to find out my purpose for my life. Or, or God, what is the purpose in the season? But really, we need to understand this. We need to understand our calling. The word calling is used 10 times more than purpose. God wants us to understand our calling. And until we understand our calling, we really don't understand our purpose. Many times we hear the word calling and we think about our career or we think about our vocation. And that is partially correct. Yes, our career can definitely be connected to our calling. But if our calling is only our job or where we make money, then what happens if we lose our job? What happens if we transition out of our job? Does that mean that we transition out of our calling? Does that mean that we lose our purpose? You see, you got to understand this, that your kaleo or your calling is much bigger than where you get your paycheck from. Your kaleo or your calling is given to you by God. Your purpose is heaven assigned. Your paycheck is only what sustains you, but your calling is what keeps you alive. In other words, it is why you were born. Trust me, it is bigger than your nine to five job. I would say it this way, that a career makes a living, but a calling makes a life. Do you hear that? A career just makes a living, but your calling is what, what makes your life. Your calling is a divine work that God wants to do in you and through you. Let me say that again. Your calling is a divine work that God wants to do in you and he wants to do through you. There's this verse in the book of Acts chapter 13 where um, it's interesting. The apostles are, are, are listening to, to God. They're in prayer. And this is what they record. It says, the Holy Spirit said, I have called Barnabas and Saul. Now Saul's other name is Paul. You might know him better by Paul. I have called Barnabas and Saul, meaning Paul, to do an important work for me. Now release them to go and fulfill it. 
In other words, there was a calling that was on their life, and it was an important calling. It was a work, and they were to be released to go fulfill it. You know what? A calling is something God gives. It is specialized and uniquely designed and customized for you. It is important, and you are graced to do it. It cannot be taken away from you. In other words, even if you disobey God, your calling is still with you. That is why sometimes you see people that are running away from God and they're miserable because they know on the inside that life isn't everything it should be. The reason why? They're not living in their calling. Your calling has a lasting eternal impact and you won't find fulfillment unless you fulfill your calling. So today, I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you that the place to understand and awaken to and to be reminded of your God-giving calling is the church. In other words, it is being planted in a house. Being planted in a church is where you best understand, you best discover, and you best are reminded of your God-given calling. Because I don't know about you, but life in general tends to make me forget about my divine calling. I get sucked into the chaos and the drama and the confusion of everything going on in life. But church is the place that you are reminded and you are awakened to and you remember your God-given calling. Today, I want to talk about a very famous disciple. It's a disciple of Jesus named Peter. Now, he's probably the most famous disciple. We talk about him a lot. And I love Peter because I can resonate with his life. I resonate with the fact that I want to be bold for God, but many times I screw up. And that, that really was Peter's life. Peter was a fisherman, and Jesus found him on the shore of a big lake called Galilee and called him to be his disciple, to be a fisher of men and not just fish. Now, Peter ended up following Jesus for three years as his disciple. Peter endured all kinds of ridicule from friends, family, and other people in the culture for following Jesus for those three years. In fact, his life had been threatened. He saw Jesus do many miracles. He was up close to Jesus. He heard the teachings of Jesus. He watched Jesus be crucified and then come back to life again. We call that being resurrected. And once again, Peter is fishing, and Jesus is calling out to him and is trying to communicate something with him that is very important. So this story takes place after Jesus has come back to life. He's already been crucified. He's come back to life, and Jesus finds Peter fishing again. Let's turn to John, the book of John chapter 21. And I'm going to read a portion here that's a little bit longer, but I want you to hear the whole story, this amazing story about Peter and how he's reminded of the calling that is on his life. It says this, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. In other words, seven disciples in all. Simon Peter, here's our, our hero, Peter, said, I'm going fishing. Now, 
I want to take a moment and pause. This is after, you know, the resurrection. This is after the disciples were in hiding, fearing for their lives. So now they've come out of hiding after they realized that Jesus was resurrected. And seven of them gather together and they decide that they're going to go fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out to the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved. Now, this is John. He's talking in third person here. And by the way, he's not being braggadocious. In the original language, it would have read more like this. The disciple that even Jesus loved. In other words, that he was saying, I can't believe Jesus even loves me. The disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to the shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus had asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. Remember that. You know everything. I'm going to come back to that. What, is, what does Peter mean by this? You know everything. In other words, everything about me. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Now, Jesus is not having a senior moment here. He's not forgetting that he asked Peter this question before. He asked him three times on purpose because there is a big unresolved issue in Peter's life, and that is this. Just a week or two previous to this moment, Peter, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, Peter denied Jesus three times, three times. In fact, he was asked three times, aren't you a follower of that Jesus that is right now being tried for blasphemy, that is probably going to go to the cross and be crucified? Peter, aren't you one of his followers? And three times Peter said, I do not know Jesus. I have no clue what you're talking about. Totally denied knowing Jesus 
the one that he had followed for three years of his life. Three times Peter caved into fear. Three times Peter lied about knowing Jesus. And Jesus had been resurrected, had come back to life. But guess what? A part of Peter's story in his past had not died, but rather was still alive. In fact, you know what? It was the guilt and the shame of that fateful night that Peter denied Jesus. And that was still living inside of Peter's mind and conscience. You know, the bold, powerful apostle Peter that Jesus said, I'm going to have you start my church someday. That bold, powerful person was still carrying all this regret, all this shame from that night that he had denied Jesus. You know, I think it's just interesting. If you had followed Jesus for three years, you had seen countless miracles. You saw Jesus do all kinds of things, give powerful teachings that Jesus even said that he believed in you. If you're Peter, guess what? When Jesus dies and comes back to life again, you're probably gonna go out and you're gonna tell people about it. You are excited. You're like, wow, this really is the son of God. Jesus really is who he said he was. You would be preaching to everybody. You would have a boldness about you. You would be going around telling everyone about Jesus. Don't you think? But rather, he wasn't doing that. He wasn't out preaching. He wasn't out praying for the sick. Instead, he just went back to his old job, fishing. He just went back to his old habits of just going out and catching fish and making money. You know, confusion and fear can make you forget the great things that God has done in your life, right? You know, when you're in a season of confusion and fear, sometimes you can forget the great works that God has done in your life. You forget all of the miracles he's done. You forget all the things he's spoken to you. You just kind of go back to going through the motions, just day in and day out, going to work, making the bread, bringing home the bacon. You see, Peter had witnessed the most amazing miracle ever to happen in all of human history. Jesus dying and coming back to life. See, Jesus had been resurrected, but now Jesus needed to do a resurrection in Peter because all of the dream and the calling and the purpose that Peter knew he had forgotten. Jesus had been put to death, but now he needs to put to death Peter's shame and his fear, and he needs to resurrect in the same way that Jesus was resurrected. He needs to now resurrect Peter's confidence and his calling. That day, Jesus shows up at an extremely familiar place, the Sea of Galilee. It was the exact same place that three years previously, Jesus had found Peter fishing and told him, I want you to be a fisher of men. I want you to come and follow me. Now, three years later, Peter's fishing again. His dreams had kind of been dashed. His calling had been forgotten. He had just gone back into the same old rigmarole of life. And now Jesus is once again going to remind Peter of his calling. 
He is once again going to call out the best in Peter. He's going to point him towards his God-desired future, not his broken present of shame and regret and feeling that he had failed Jesus. You know, this familiar place is many times like a church where weekend and week out, you and I come back and we are reminded of the God-given divine calling that has been put upon our lives. We worship together. We are reminded that we are to elevate above the chaos, above the confusion, even above the wrong choices and the shame and the regret. And we are to remember that Jesus is for us, that he has a plan for us, that our life matters, that our story can be redeemed. You see, Jesus needed to remind Peter of all of these things. You remember Peter's story that he was catching fish and Jesus said, no, I want you to elevate your calling. This is more than just a career. It's more than just a job. It's more than just a vocation. Your life is to matter. You are to be a fisher of men. And now Peter's just going back to dropping nets in the lake again. And so many times, so many times, we in the midst of this recent crisis in 2020, so many times we're tempted just to go back to just going through the motions and just putting our head down and trying to get through this weird season that we are in. But today, City First, I want to remind you of something. This is not just the season to put our head down and go through the motions. This is the season where God wants you to live in his calling. He wants you to elevate above the struggle. He wants to remind you that he is for you, that he cares about you, and that your life counts. And this is not just a time of just getting through it. It's not just a time of surviving, but rather it's a time of thriving. So what does Peter do this time? Peter understands that what Jesus is doing here is Jesus is reversing that faithful night by asking those three questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? What Jesus is doing is reminding Peter of his calling and getting Peter to get past his failure. You know, these stories are so familiar. The story of three years previous where there were empty nets and there was an empty life. And now three years later, Jesus comes back to Peter and there's empty nets and there's an empty life. And once again, Jesus, Jesus calls Peter something greater. I think this is interesting in the story that Jesus never points out Peter's failure. I think it's just very interesting because we, we many times think that, that every time we blow it, every time we compromise, any time that we fail, that God is there just to point a finger at us and remind us of the wrong that we've done. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, Jesus doesn't even mention that night that Peter denied him. Instead, Jesus reminds Peter of his divine calling. You see, the best way to get past failure is to repent and remember that God is with you and calls you to have a significant life. You see, Jesus doesn't condemn Peter. He doesn't remind him of the past, 
but rather points him to his future. He doesn't shame Peter by remembering what Peter did, but rather instead calls Peter to who he should be. And that is that he is a fisher of men. And on Peter, Jesus says, on Peter's life, that Jesus is going to help build the church. See, Jesus fixes Peter breakfast. Here's the God that fixes us breakfast. What God does that? That doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even compute. But rather, as Peter and the other disciples get off that boat, Jesus is there fixing them breakfast. You know, why are we talking about this today? You might be listening and going, okay, Jer, what's your point? Why, why are you talking about this story? And here's the reason why. It's because crisis has a way of distracting us. And lovingly said as your pastor, and even some of you that might be joining us for the very first time, if I could just lovingly say this, some of us have been distracted by the crisis. That we have been so fixated on what's going on in our world and the craziness and the fact that it's unpredictable and everything in the circus of our politics right now and all that's going on in our economy and everything. We are so distracted by all of the struggle and the chaos that's going on around us. And today, I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you that God has a great calling on your life. And the only way to find fulfillment in this life is to understand the calling. And today at church, I'm reminding you, you are called to something greater than the crisis. See, some of us have forgotten this. And today, I just want to lovingly remind you of that. The other reason why we are talking about this is because fear has a way of paralyzing us. In fact, I'd even say this, that America right now is full of all kinds of fear. There are some of us that are fearing what will happen in this election. There are some of us that are fearing that we are going to catch this virus and potentially die. There's, there's fear right now in our nation for safety. There's fear that, that literally our culture is imploding and turning on each other. There's so much fear right now. And I have a feeling that Peter felt fear that day. He was fearing what his future was going to look like. Even though he knew that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead, he didn't know what to do. So he went back to just the same old routine of going out and making money day in and day out. Today, I want to remind you that you have nothing to fear because the God who loves you and the God who is with you is going to navigate us through this crisis. We're going to come out on the other side victorious that God is with us and he has made us more than conquerors. Every time that fear begins to creep into our lives, we begin to forget our calling. We begin to forget and get fixated on whatever we are fearing. So today I want you to be reminded that God is with you and that he has a calling specific to your life. Also, the reason I'm talking about this today is because wrong choices have a way of making us forget our calling. And if I could be honest for a moment, there are many, many people right now in the midst of this crisis 
that are making wrong choices. They're going back to old habits. They're going back to old addictions. They're, they're fixating on things that are polluting their minds and their souls. And I just want you to know today and be reminded that you have a calling that is precious and that you are the only one that can fulfill your God-given calling. It's customized for you. So throw off every restraint the Bible talks about. Cast off every fear. Cast off every distraction and run hard into your calling. Lastly, I believe the reason we're talking about this today is because confusion has a way of making us just go through the motions. And some of us are doing that. We're just going through the motions of life, hoping that this whole crisis lifts eventually. Well, today, I want to remind you that God's calling is bigger than this crisis. We need this reminder today. You know, we need a reminder that there's a God who pursues us, a God who wants to revive us, a God who wants to remind us of our calling. We need to remember that there is something that is greater than the circumstances going on around us. In the middle of all the confusion in our world right now, Jesus wants to speak to us. Surrounded by all the fear, Jesus wants us to follow him. We need to be reminded that God wants to do an eternal work in us and through us regardless of our circumstances, regardless of where we earn our paycheck, regardless of what we're facing right now. There is a God-given purpose that is more powerful than your failures. There is a God-given purpose that is more powerful than this crisis. So let me remind you, Jesus wants to be close with you. He wants to have a relationship with you that you have a God-given calling, that you are in this world, but you are not of this world, that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit, that you are favored, that you are not alone, that you are to see this whole crisis differently than those people that are far from faith. Jesus needs to find us. Jesus needs to remind us and Jesus needs to revive us because many times we're like Peter and we just tend to forget. You know, as recently, a few weeks ago, I came across this song that, that has been on repeat in the DeWert household for the last few weeks. And every time I'm in the car, I'm listening to it. And this song talks about Jesus reminding us and reviving us, that Jesus brings revival to us and that he reminds us that the calling on our life is significant and great. Oh, I realize some of you right now are listening to this and you're facing some pretty dark circumstances. I, I, I realize that some of you that are watching this right now are listening and you're going, oh, Jerry, if, if you only knew, if you only knew what I'm going through, if you only knew what I'm going through with my health or my family or what I'm going through even right now with my mental health or what I'm going through with my finances and my job, if you only knew, Jeremy, it seems like, it seems like your answer's seem too simple. And I, I get that. I get that. But can I tell you something? That the God who loves you is the God of the impossible and he is with you. And he has a calling on your life. And your kaleo 
is precious. And don't allow this crisis to steal that away. But rather instead, today, be reminded. For some of us, be awakened. For some of us, be revived to that calling that is on our lives. You were born for such a time as this, it says in the Old Testament. There is a purpose that is on your life. There is a calling, and there's a God that wants to fill you with his strength, his favor, his power, and his presence. And I want you to listen closely to this song, and I want you to read the words of this song, because this song, it's for you. God, revive us and remind us of the great work that you want to do inside of each and every one of us. Let's worship together. like a river wash over me immerse me in water as deep as the sea hide me in love your healing embrace peace like a river
Lord send revival. You know, yeah, send revival to this nation. We're praying for that. But, but today, I want you to focus on send revival to me. Send revival to me, God. Jesus, I need you to revive me. I need you to remind me. Like Peter, who has forgotten, I need you to remind me of my calling and your presence in my life. I wanna pray for you, City First. I wanna pray specific for you. If, you. if you say, you know what, I need today's message. It's like, it's like God was talking directly to me. I wanna pray that God reminds us and awakens us to the greatness that he has for us and that God revive us from the inside out. Let's pray as we close. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friend. I pray that God, you would bring revival to their life. That Lord, they would sense your presence. That today they would be reminded of your greatness. That they would be reminded of your power. That, that all the cares of this world would melt away. And Lord, they would focus on the fact that you are with them. That you are for them. That you're the God that wants a close relationship that you're the God that will never leave them or forsake them. So God, we want revival personally. Send your spirit, awaken us, revive us in Jesus' name, amen.